Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us. A journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. You know what? I definitely feel like I want to I want to just watch something a good story about a teenager, a teen girl falling in love with a 100-year-old vampire. And uh it's not creepy at all and then there's a love triangle in it and uh, with a dog and you know she she learns to find power within herself through the relationships that she has and she has other friends who are like kind of normal in high school and you know she it juxtaposes juxtaposes the the craziness of her life and um yeah so i think i'm going to go watch buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> that's what that's what i'm describing right now was oh, i supposed boy. to be describing something else yeah, no, you had me uh, at first. I thought we were on the same page, but now I've realized that I've devoted the last couple of weeks to researching the wrong The wrong author. vampire story, right? Yeah. You oh. know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. I, I'd rather watch a show, you know, a, a film that has uh, relationships that are based off of bullying and um, force and <laughs> maybe making sure that the woman is put in her place and... Uh, and you know, just all around cultural differences between people, and um, so I'm gonna Dead go people. watch just a slew of K dramas, just <laughs> just so many K dramas out there. That's what we're gonna talk about, right? God, uh, you know, I really think I need some extra time to research, <laughs> and also if you could tell me what we're talking about next time, that would help because I I definitely I described it, it perfectly, Hannah. <laughs> I don't understand how I could have done a better job. <laughs> At describing what we're going to talk about today. Well, is it the K-dramas K or the Buffy the Vampire We're going to talk about an author who was celebrated when she first wrote her books. And then as time went on, people realized that they didn't like her as much. So then they started to say she's terrible. And then the media just jumped all over her ass. So the complete reversal of the uh, normal <laughs> trajectory. Yeah. Wait, are we talking about J.K. Rowling? Yeah, that's the one I was going for. That was that was the bit I was doing on that one. <laughs> no, we're talking about Stephanie Myers and and Twilight. Oh, that makes so much sense now. Yeah. And, okay, uh, I didn't research the right person. You know, I I I want to just say up front, uh, my voice is cracking a lot today because, um, we. We took a three-month break off of Players Guild so that we can get through some of our backlog and I can try and get caught up on stuff. Today was our first day of uh, recording again. Recording again? So, oh, my gosh. So I've done Players Guild for like three hours straight and then talking about D&D with the players um, afterwards for like two more hours. And then I recorded, I recorded the news show that I do. Um, and now I'm here doing so this. So is this the part where you say, so Hannah's going to do all the talking this time, uh, like you always do, and then 
you prove yourself wrong for and the then next I'll interrupt hour. with some crazy <laughs> some crazy thing and hannah i've got some crazy shit for today i've got i'm so excited i've got some crazy shit i've got up my sleeve i'm excited for one idea in particular that i got while reading twilight that's Is, right was this your first time reading twilight was it my first time yes hannah i'm a white cis male straight homeonormic what's the term i don't know <laughs> i have no daughters homeopathic homeopathic <laughs> i'm sure i'm gonna Wait, get okay. grilled for this had one. you ever seen any of the movies yes my wife okay. has made me watch all the twilight movies at least three times oh okay so you're well versed in the story because the books actually or the movies actually do follow the books pretty well we're gonna talk about that we're definitely gonna talk about that Okay. Well, so. shall we get into it, and then I'll just see uh, where your surprise interruptions um, occur. Yeah. Let's. I honest to God, I know nothing, almost nothing about Stephanie Myers. I have opinions on her and the books, the book, <laughs> obviously uh, that I read, uh, but for reals, I I don't know almost anything about this woman. So I'm interested to hear who she is. Well, I will say I did not have um strong feelings about her as a person uh but now i have developed an opinion of her that will come out throughout the uh the episode right so start at the beginning uh stephanie morgan was born on december 24th 1973 in hartford connecticut um we normally do dude authors so this is like one of the first ones where her last name is like changes because, you know, authors, if they publish stuff before they get married, they typically keep it under their unmarried name yeah. for women. So that was just a little, you know, feminist uh, moment there. I'm like, how come she couldn't write Twilight as Stephanie Morgan and keep her it's original a pretty cool last name. name? I mean, yeah, Morgan I think Morgan's is a better cool than name. Meyer. Whatever. Stephanie Morgan. She was... Stephanie Morgan. Uh, her name is spelled super weird, and so I typoed it almost every single time because she's <laughs> named after her father, Stephen Morgan. So, so her he name just is added actually Stephen. It's Stephen. It's Stephen-y. It's Stephen-y. <laughs> <laughs> she was the sec- or is the second of six children because, spoiler alert, she's still alive. Uh, and her father fostered a love of reading in all of his children. He read to them every night. Uh, and Stephanie felt like he always stopped in the most exciting parts. So she would, uh, you know, sneak a peek at the book and read ahead in the mornings after he left them with a cliffhanger. You know, just childhood tomfoolery. Yeah, I used uh, to sneak snacks and playing video <laughs> games and, um, you know, other bad things that were not good for me. Um, and she snuck reading in, so that's cool. Verboten. She, <laughs> She's a real yep. rebel. She got coal for Christmas. Um, the family moved to Arizona when she was very young, so like even though she was born in the Northeast, she definitely feels like a, an Arizonan at heart. Uh, and one of the notable things about her is that uh, she and her family are members of the Church of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Mormons, so... You know, everyone uh, in the media has ascribed some Mormon lens to all of her work, which uh, 
I have some opinions on that we might get to later. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, the Mormons have a lot of lore that centers around vampires and werewolves, and you know they they you, they throw a lot of that mythology around. So I can totally if, see it. If they would embrace that, that might um, you know get them more converts because that's kind of exciting. <laughs> it's like when people talk about how they're like, "How's how's uh, Narnia a Christian book?" It's they don't believe that a lion died for you. <laughs> yeah, all right. You're right. Oh, boy. So as one of the uh, the older children in her family, Stephanie took on a lot of work helping care for her younger siblings. Uh, she also developed a passion for reading classic authors like Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte very early on. So basically, she was just a very good uh, non-dramatic kid who didn't cause any trouble for her parents. Early on, like how how early is early on right now? Uh, like you know, pre-high school. Okay, because junior high. I know, like my wife watched and read every single Jane Austen movie and book before she was a freshman in high school. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think there's an age um, like threshold you have to pass. I know I tried to read Wuthering Heights or something in middle school you, you want to know how to get through that one i'm not even joking i've done this because my how? wife has made me watch was it weathering heights yeah it was weathering heights um uh, she's made me watch it and uh ironically enough the only way i could get through that movie was to pretend <laughs> was to pretend that the dude's secret the whole time was that he was a werewolf Oh my god! And so the whole time I'm like, "Bro, he's about to change at any second, and he's gonna like tear these people apart." <laughs> I'm like, sure Becca really appreciated that. She still thinks it's one of the funniest things ever. She's like, "Did you like it?" I was like, "Yeah." I mean, I was waiting for him to turn into a werewolf the whole time. <laughs> she's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah." I figured that the secret was that. She's like, "This is Tyler. It's like a gothic, like romance story. It's not." I was like, ah, you don't know. You don't know how things... <laughs> I didn't know how things could turn out. So, what was his actual secret? Uh, if I remember correctly, he was... Uh, he had his wife... His first wife was, like, uh, like, hidden away up in one of the rooms in the house or something. Oh. And so he was, like, romancing the girl while keeping it secret that his wife, who was, like... She's, like, mentally challenged or something, is is hidden away that was that was the big thing i think that's much sadder than him being a werewolf it's it's a whole thing and in the movie granted like the guy in the movie when i watched it it was uh the guy that played Mag magneto the young magneto so like that was oh. cool i was like oh young magneto he's gonna be a werewolf this is dope <laughs> i'm sorry you were so disappointed i i still think he was a werewolf she's not proving me wrong he just didn't do it in the movie that's all well, uh, I guess uh, Stephanie Meyer kind of um, took that idea and applied it because, you know, there are some parallels between Wuthering Heights and Twilight. And I think she was influenced a little bit by that as well. So Hell yeah. Me and you Stephanie guys were on Meyer the same, page. On the same she, page. Yeah. She was like, you know what would make this story better? Wolves. Werewolves. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I agree with Stephanie Morgan right now. <laughs> Stephanie Morgan. Yes. We Stephanie shall uh, Morgan refuse and I to are use on her. the same page. <laughs> So um, she attended, I think it's pronounced Chaparral High School, Chaparral High School in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, which is known for 
really good academic performance. Uh, she participated in lots of organizations, yearbook. Um, she was one of the editors for the school's creative writing magazine. Um, but she was like a very quiet student. Uh, one of her English teachers described her as excellent in class, but quote, very quiet. And um, I should note that the book that I got most of the information from for this was Stephanie Meyer in the Twilight by James Blasingame Jr. So Man, I I wish I would have picked it. I mean, I, I listened to uh, the Twilight book, the first one, but I saw a book called Twilight Philosophy and uh, and vegetarianism or something like that what? and i was like man i really want to read this book and i'm not lying when i say i might i might go pick it up maybe we do a follow-up episode where we just read all of the crazy like philosophical analyses of twilight i've got some stuff already and i didn't even read that book <laughs> so i'm not Perfect. joking prepare yourself for a crazy he was a werewolf the whole time twist, but obviously not that because they were werewolves the whole time. They were, they were transparently werewolves. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she did great in school. She won a national merit scholarship, uh, and graduated in 1992, uh, and then went on to college. And she notes that she had a social trajectory that was very similar to Bella Swan's in the twilight books. Um, Stephanie describes herself as completely unremarkable in high school um, but Scott or um, Scottsdale, where she went to high school, is like the Beverly Hills of Arizona, she said. So it was like all these rich kids. She was surrounded by Barbies and was about a five. Yeah. Then she moved to Provo, Utah to go to BYU and surrounded by normal people became like an eight and had dates every weekend. Eight is really where you want to be, too, because like eight, you don't have to try to be good looking. Nines and tens, you, you have to keep it up right like yeah eights, there's a lot like, of pressure naturally you're good looking and you really don't have to do much to stay good looking so i don't know where this is this scale of uh misogyny is coming from but <laughs> <laughs> this is her own scale of misogyny but yeah. you know uh as a woman i think it kind of checks out you know i've never I, been to provo i lived i lived in tempe arizona i went to school in tempe arizona which is right next to scottsdale um and i can attest that people from scottsdale are um really uh, hot uh well yeah because it's fucking 120 degrees every day there so they are generally hot um we we all were <laughs> <laughs> we were um, all hot in arizona but i th yeah i think it's like like that's it's yuppie town right so everybody's got money they've all got perfect teeth and diet <laughs> dietitians and um, they can afford school books and shit. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It is like Beverly Hills then. Yeah, school it really books. Um, So, yeah, so she goes to BYU, uh, Brigham Young University. Very famous Mormon college for anyone out there who's been living under a rock. Yeah, and if you <laughs> if, if you like uh, humor, uh, Studio C on, on the BYU network, they're hilarious. Is that a thing? Oh, oh yeah, Studio What's C. What's it about? It's a, it's like Saturday Night Live, but it's like a Mormon version of Saturday Night Live. Is it actually funny? And it is legitimately funnier than Saturday Night Live. Wow. Like, okay, I got to check this out. And now. you have to understand, I'm coming at this from someone. This is this is me, and I, you know, I don't 
care for a lot of the Mormon stuff out there. I'm just gonna throw that out. I'm I'm not gonna bash anyone, but I I have my own opinions. Studio C is literally one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Um, and like the original cast has moved on to do their own thing, I think. Um, and it's it's dope. <laughs> it's it's really good, like really really good. So I I highly recommend just checking out uh, Studio C and type in. If you're going to look them up, type in um, Studio C Scott Sterling Volleyball, and I guarantee you, you will laugh your ass off. That is quite the tease. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But in the meantime, stay with us. <laughs> you're welcome, Matt <laughs> the newly hot Stephanie Meyer, Morgan, is spending all of her time going on dates, except for the time that she spends diligently working toward her degree in English. One of the professors who had the most impact on her was Dr. Walker. Walker. He said Stephanie was a superb reader and a strong writer, but he, quote, liked her unassumingness even more than her competency. So basically this guy is like, Stephanie was never full of herself or self-promoting. And for such a bright student among so many outspoken English majors, she was unusually quiet. So she's just like a shy, nice person. It sounds more like he's like, she's not good at writing, but no one's going to know she's there. No. That's what it sounds like to me. He said she was excellent. And he's upon hearing about her success, he said, quote, it satisfies my soul that she's so successful. Feels like the meek inheriting the earth and fully deserving to. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. if there's I mean, one thing that teacher can teach, it's hyperbole. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Um, that feels a little bit like all of my parent teacher conferences though. Like my, my teachers would always tell my parents, they're like, Hannah's really good. And like, she knows the material, but we just wish she would talk more. (laughs) (laughs) She knows she's allowed to have an opinion, right? Yeah. (laughs) She can speak, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, also early on in her college career, she reconnected with Christian Meyer, a childhood friend uh, who, I don't know, they didn't go super into their backstory, but I guess they stopped seeing each other for a while. And then they uh, met up in college at BYU where all young Mormons meet up with their yeah. future uh, husbands and wives. And BYU, Matrimony College, yo, just like Multnomah University. <laughs> we should, uh, somebody should study like how many marriages come out of BYU as opposed to other colleges. It's, it's, it's Christian colleges. It doesn't matter... It, it doesn't religious matter colleges? what it's a religious college. If it's a religious college, they everyone like it's like 80 percent of people there go and get married. Um, if you look at Multnomah University in Portland, like they the people that go there or people that are like affiliated with it, they joke and they call it the Multnomah uh, Matrimony University. Oh, because see, I'm so non-religious that I didn't even know there was a Multnomah University. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pensacola. <laughs> on the east coast and in florida wherever that one's also very big and as far as like you go there and you're gonna go get an air quotes here education um but you're also going to go get a future spouse that's that's part of what you're paying for is to find your spouse well, damn, I overpaid for state school and yeah, had to Yeah, you didn't even get a, you didn't even get a spouse afterwards. out of it. You had to find them out in the wild. 
<laughs> Man, I got ripped off. Yeah. Although I'm very happy with how it turned out. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I like it. I like it. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Talon's going to listen to this and be like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I'm not good enough because I didn't go to BYU. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> So basically, she sees uh, her her future husband Christian, and she's like, "Ooh, who, look who uh, grew up and got cute." Um, nice. And they had this like weird back and forth when they first started uh, hanging out again. She says that he, they would go out, and he'd bring her home and ask her to marry him, which seems presumptuous, and I would not like that. Uh, she'd say no, and they'd go out again the next night, and he proposed like thirty-five to forty times before she finally said yes. Gross. How romantic. Yeah, all right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with declaring intention, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you always hear those stories about people who, like, they meet uh, and, you know, one of them goes home the first night and they're like, this is the person I'm going to marry. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's not like it was creepy, like, He's like, I'm going to marry you. And she's like, get the fuck away from me. No, it was like, ah, it, ha, ha. it's like this funny thing. Like, hey, I want to marry you for real. And she's like, no. He's like, all right, that's fine. I'll wait another day. <laughs> that's I mean, I, I think, you know what? I'm coming around on it. Kind of like it now. I think it's kind of <laughs> dope. Well, they waited uh, not very long and got married when she was 21. Wait, so how maybe old like two was years? she when she met him or reconnected with him? Well, okay, so I'm assuming it's she might have done the like Mormon year off mission thing at some point because she started college in like well she graduated high school in ninety two but didn't graduate college until ninety seven. So there's an extra year in there. So she could have met him when she was eighteen or nineteen. Alright. Yeah. So Hopefully right. they satisfy your weight at least a year, preferably two. I'm doing uh, math in my head right now. She was born in 73. She graduated in 92, which means she was 19 years old when she graduated high school. Oh. And then she would have. No, it would have been 18 because she would have turned 19 in December, right? Ah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So she was 18 when she graduates, goes to college. Or you're thinking she takes a, a year off. So she goes to college September of 94. Yeah, I'm just assuming that it didn't take her five years to graduate. Right. Because she's so, a bright student. <laughs> so that means she's 20. As she uh, She's 19 when she enters college. She's 20-ish. And then... All right, yeah. Yeah, about a year. All right. I'll <laughs> I did all that math. <laughs> all that math. <laughs> I'll give it to them. They did, they did all right. So they got married. Uh, as far as I can tell, they're still married, uh, and they have three sons. Um, and while those sons were quite young, uh, Stephanie Meyer starts writing what is going to be one of the biggest young adult books of all time. Uh, on host. June 2nd, 2003, oh. she started writing Twilight. Oh, not the host. Not the host. <laughs> different, different book. Oh, we're, okay. we're rewinding a few years. Gotcha. gotcha, um, gotcha. She remembers the exact date because it was the first day of swim lessons for her kids. Because uh, she's a devoted stay-at-home mom at this point. 
Uh, she had a dream the night before about an average girl sitting with a beautiful sparkly vampire in a meadow. Uh, they were discussing the difficulties of falling in love with each other while the vampire was struggling not to kill her. Super romantic, and this became chapter 13 of Twilight. Uh-huh. Uh, from that point on, there wasn't a day she didn't write at least something. She said on bad days, she wrote one or two pages. On good days, she would write a chapter and then some. Mostly uh-huh. at night after the boys were in bed because it's really hard to get shit written when you're being interrupted every five minutes by someone who wants a juice pouch or a snack. Yeah, that's uh that's good. Good on her for real. One one page is uh I mean single spaced normal typeset. You're looking at about 600 to 700 words a page, right? Yeah, so the finished product was a 500 page manuscript within 3 months, uh 130,000 words. Yeah. And the only person that knew she was doing this was her uh older sister Emily. So even her husband didn't know what she was up to. Which is nuts. How? <laughs> How do you not know that your spouse is writing a book? I mean, maybe maybe I'm just different and I'm like supportive of my wife. <laughs> but like if she wants to do something, I'm like, yes, do it. Let's let's do it. Well, maybe she waited until he went to bed too and then wrote in secret. I yeah. mean I mean I, I did write a book for my wife in secret. But she knew I was writing a book. She just didn't know what it was about. Yeah. Yeah, Stephanie would do, like, most of the plotting and, like, brainstorming while she was out and about, like, waiting for her kids to be done with swim lessons and stuff. And then she would get home and, like, frantically type all of it. Yeah. I mean, Um, seriously, though, good on her. Yeah. So in June, like, when she had just started it, um, that's how soon she started sending chapters to her sister Emily Uh, And Emily was, like, hooked and always checking in to see if she had more for her. Uh, And she was the one who suggested that Stephanie try to get the book published. So she looked into it. She basically did what I think all aspiring writers do in the age of the Internet, which is go online and look for tips on how to get published. Yeah. Um, And so she ended up sending about 15 query letters. She got about eight rejection letters right away. uh, And then a lot more people ignored her. Um, but an assistant at Writer's House, uh, and I'm picturing this person as kind of like a intern or something, because apparently they didn't realize that 130,000 words was way too long for a young adult book. Sure. Like, young adult books are supposed to be, like, up to 70-ish thousand, I guess. Oh, wow. Uh, if you're following the formula. But this person saw the query letter and requested the first three chapters. Uh, and then about a month later, Stephanie got a call from an agent named Jody Reamer, who wanted to represent her. Um, They worked for only two weeks, which seemed really fast to me, to get the novel into shape and send it to editors. The original title was Forks, so obviously that changed, and I feel like for good reason, because who wants to read Forks? The Stephanie Meyer uh, bestseller, Forks. They're going to think it's like a cookbook. Sequel, Spoons. And the, the third one is Sporks. Or Knives. Where's Knives? Knives is the fourth book. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Actually, this is a dumb bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe we make a Twilight-themed uh, cookbook and call it Forks. There has sh- to be something like that already. If there's, uh, if there's not, not something Stephanie like Meyer's that, Stephanie going to write it. I'm not joking. If there's not something like that, 100% this podcast will be publishing a, a cookbook 
inspired by Twilight, called Forks. We'll make so much money, and then we will immediately get sued by Stephanie Meyer. No, because if Stephanie Meyer has proven anything, it's that you can do anything with her stuff, and she's fine with it. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. We'll get to that later. So they they send um, the manuscript or, or a query for it out to nine different publishers, uh, they were not in suspense for very long. Megan Tingley of Little Brown and Company read the manuscript on a cross-country flight and reached out to Jody just after Thanksgiving with three, a $300,000 offer, which was an offer so big that Stephanie didn't even believe it at first. She originally had the lofty goal of $10,000 in mind, enough to pay off the family van. Uh, Jody, though, shot down that 300000 offer and asked for more. And uh, Stephanie about had a heart attack. But they ended up signing a three-book deal for $750,000, which was, like, the highest that uh, Little Browning Company had ever offered a first-time author. And this was all within one year. Right, yeah. Like, less than a year. It's it's nuts how fast this is all coming together for her. She starts writing it in June and has a record-breaking offer before Christmas. Yeah, it's almost as annoying as Lorna McDougal's husband. That's exactly who I was thinking about when I saw the success story. Um, how does that make you feel, Tyler? She just, you're just lobbing it up. You just want me to hit this <laughs> out of the park, huh? Well, you just gave so much hate to Lorna McDougal's husband. You're and right. he worked a lot longer, actually. Did he, though? Did he, though? He, he went learned to school how, and stuff. He, quote, learned how to re- write in 30 <laughs> days. At least she, she wrote a 500 page She didn't just get 90. to go, it, go to a cabin in the woods and desert her family. She had to be a mom. She had to take her kids to places. She had to make sure her husband was taken care of. I don't know what she does, but you know she's taking care of her husband. If she's going to write these steamy <laughs> love stories. And then on top of it, she's pumping out a, a page or two, if not a chapter, every day. She worked for it. She's a brick house. Bow, 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 bow. She's working for it. I don't know, man. I can give credit to her. She's a hustler. She got it done. You've made a compelling case, actually. I, I, I see the merit in this argument. And I, yeah, Just an I am update. very impressed. Just a quick little update on the Forks cookbook. We've got Love at First Bite, Supernatural, oh, the official cookbook, burger, pies, and other bites from... Uh, oh, wait. That's for Supernatural. I don't care about that one. I mean, I do care about that one. Please, Supernatural fans, don't attack <laughs> Uh And then we have Twilight, Philosophy, Vampires, Vegetarians, and the Pursuit of Immortality. That's the book that I was talking about earlier. I don't see a cookbook called Forks. Hannah, this might be something we need to do, like, for our patrons. Or, we'll make you. I mean, what recipes do you even put in there? Obviously, cranberry juice. Bloody Marys. <laughs> Vodka cranberry. Wait, she's Mormon. She can't drink. She can't, but we can. <laughs> and That's how nice. else am I going to get through a Twilight Marathon that my wife makes me go through? Obviously, <laughs> apples. Because of the cover of the book. Mm, yes. Um, cafeteria food. Because oh, yeah. they eat that. So some like Red Baron pizza on Thursdays or something. Yeah. 
Um, we're we're this is gonna come together. We're gonna we're definitely gonna be making the Forks cookbook <laughs> for the town of Forks. Oh, I'm sure they'll love that. <laughs> they haven't gotten enough attention over all of this. <laughs> no, they love it. They love just random <laughs> people coming through their town where the movie wasn't even filmed. That's so aggravating. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she signs this book deal. Um, and then enters Changing Hands Bookstore, which is um, actually like a very important part of her career trajectory. Um, basically, it seems like the Powells of Tempe, kind of. Mm. Uh, not nearly as big as Powells, which for anyone who hasn't been there, is like this block-wide bookstore in Portland. It's City absolutely, of books. It is stupidly massive. Um, but dope. from all the internet hype, like it seems like Changing Hands is the Arizona equivalent um, so this bookstore got advanced reader copies of Twilight, um, and apparently the staff stayed up all night reading the book and came into work bleary-eyed the next morning. Uh, Little Brown and Company pushed them to do an event with Stephanie because she was local. Um, I think she was living in Tempe at this point. Um, even though Twilight wasn't publicly available, they invited her to be on a panel and speak about writing YA literature. So she's on a panel talking about writing before her book is even published and like out. Yeah. Tyler's got that sad author face going on right now. <laughs> hey, I wrote a book one time. I have a podcast about books. <laughs> I've studied books. I've I've done flash fiction. I'm publishing an anthology. So anyone wants me on their panel, just just let me you know. You know who to call. <clears throat> Stephanie Meyer, wish- you know, I'm giving you a lot of credit here. If you want to reach out, I'll do your cookbook. I don't even cook. I'll do it. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a video of this panel in existence anywhere, but if there is, I'd love to see it because I'm just trying to figure out like how this so like such a quiet, reserved person like just goes a, a complete 360 like that and is suddenly speaking in front of people like trying to sound authoritative. Like I I want to know how that went. Sure. Um, yeah. But. Changing Hands um, book buyer, with, which I guess is a job there, uh, Faith Hawkhalter described Stephanie as humble and the nicest person she'd ever met. Uh, they became good friends, and that'll come up again uh, later on. Uh, but yeah, so she was just basically like a super nice person. She would go into the store before events and like talk to all the staff and, you know, sign tons of books and all that. Yeah, because um, it was still fun. It was still new. It was like yeah. she didn't even have a book out yet and people were like celebrating her as this famed author of course it's gonna be she's gonna be nice and fun this is the best they had a $75,000 or $7,500 no god I can't do words today $75,000 book book first run I feel like Uh, that's a lot is that a lot Hannah uh, not compared to later Twilight books. Right, but um, like for your first book ever, that feels like it'd be a lot. Yeah, I, I think they expected it to do well. Uh, they did not expect it to do as well as it did because apparently uh, when it first came out, Little Brown and Company noticed surprisingly high sales for a first-time author. Sure. Uh, it contacted Changing Hands Bookstore to schedule another author appearance. Um, and 70 people showed up for her first book signing, which is actually a lot. One of the staff members at the store said first-time authors can have as few as four people at their first event, which is yep. 
super sad uh, and lonely. But Mom, Myers, aunt, yeah. that cousin that you know, but you don't know that well, but you're able to rope into just showing up, and then some rando that you met on Facebook. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Stephanie Meyer had a huge first book signing comparatively, uh, especially considering the book had only been out a matter of days when she did that. Uh, one of the staff members also noted that Stephanie was a total girly girl uh, and bonded with all the women who worked there and that they would go for pedicures and stuff, which seems like kind of insane. Can you imagine like Ernest Hemingway hanging out with uh, the staff at a bookstore or something? Uh, well, yes, but he would have like probably been hanging out with them to tell them how cool he was and all his I feel like stories. he wouldn't have even bothered with a uh, bookstore staff. They're too lowly for him. I think he would have uh, legitimately I th- I think he would have anybody who would listen to his stories I think he would have <laughs> hung out with. He would have been like, "Okay, let's go drink some uh, scotch hey, on out, the rocks." Check out my awesome American soldier uniform with cape. Oh yeah, I forgot about that time he made friends with like a 12-year-old girl or something. So, yeah, maybe the bookstore <laughs> staff would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um so Stephanie continued to sign lots of copies of books for Changing Hands and held special events there until it became clear that the bookstore was not big enough to accommodate all of the fans. Um, so, and this happened pretty rapidly. So New Moon was published, the second book in the Twilight series, in t- 2006. It reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list within two weeks of publication. Uh, and Twilight was originally optioned for a movie in 2004 by Paramount before it was even published. Like, they wanted to get in early. Of course. Uh, that they ended up not making the movie, and it went through some other, like, other places wanted to option it, but Stephanie didn't like any of them. Uh, finally, Summit got the rights to it in 2007, promising it would be faithful to the books and no vampires would have abnormally long canine teeth. That's the thing they promised her. Vampires... We don't want them to be weird. We're going to make them sparkly and not yeah, have canine teeth. Yeah, that's way less weird. <laughs> so one of the things that um, surprised me kind of the most about Stephanie Meyer was just like how close of a relationship she had with so many of her fans early on. Um, and one of the ways that this manifested was with Eclipse Prom. So this idea started after she had an event in California where a couple of the girls that attended said they would wear full prom dresses the next time Stephanie visited. They wanted to be formal and come to the event all dressed up, and Stephanie and her publicist, since they're both super girly girls, uh, thought that was an awesome idea, and they were like, we want to wear pretty dresses too. So for the release of Eclipse in May of 2007, Stephanie wanted to put on a prom as a book release party. Um, And... Around the same time, like, since Twilight had come out, she made a habit of, like, popping into Twilight fan, like, chat rooms and forums online, and she would, like, literally talk with and engage with fans. Um, So when the idea for Eclipse Prom came around, she recruited actual fans in the Tempe area and some from out of state to help organize it. They came out, uh, she took them all for pedicures, like, she has, she goes for a lot of pedicures, I'm finding out from this book. Um... She is treated that them a to lot? dinner. I have no idea. I've never I mean, had a j- single one, so. I you don't. should get a pedicure. I Talon got I? one with me. Well, good for him. It's nice for your feet. <laughs> I don't have a cool author friend who wants to take <laughs> me to prom and get me pedicures. That's 
So great for I'm Talon. I'm saying, like, this is the most times that I've ever seen the word pedicure in an author biography. <laughs> so. Oh, uh, you didn't read that part in Hemingway's where he just no, went for pedicures I, all the time? I figure his feet were particularly gross. <laughs> yeah, probably. So she takes them for pedicures. She she gets them dinner. Uh, and then she hands out, like, all of these color-coded plans for the prom uh and basically these fans are just like living the dream hanging out with their favorite author but as it got more publicized um professionals took over planning and implementation which made some of the girls bitter because they were essentially moved to cleanup duty and weren't getting as much recognition for the event um there let's see they rented so they needed a larger venue so they rented two gyms at arizona state university uh, which Stephanie had a connection to because while she was going to BYU, she took a couple classes at ASU as well. Um, tickets sold out immediately through changing hands. So I used, she asked I used they... to play Ultimate Frisbee at ASU. So Really? Yeah. That's uh, that's all I did there. <laughs> did you ever go in the uh, Stephanie Meyer gym? No. No, I only ever played Ultimate Frisbee. That's it. Wait, that... what years were you in Tempe? Uh, it's, it's funny you ask, not these ones. Um, (laughs) I, I moved to Tempe in September of 08. No, no. 07. I left right after high school. Oh, okay. This was around the same time. This is This was May of 07. Like I was like five months after this is when I was in Arizona. Gotcha. And so, it's funny because the first time I heard of any of this was at ASU at Ultimate Frisbee. Where, you know, we would all hang out before and afterwards. And a couple of my friends had the the new book that had just come out. It was probably Eclipse or whatever. Did and they make any reference to the local connection? No, not even a little bit. At least if they did, I didn't remember. But they might have already been talking to me about vampires and werewolves and girls. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't care about this conversation <laughs> at all. You just, like, face went completely blank. Yeah. I'm going to go tackle someone who's holding a Frisbee. So, see you later. <laughs> I'm going to go reinforce my masculinity now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, tickets sell out immediately. Um, and Stephanie asks if they can do two proms, one right after the other, because this is, like, just proving to be a hugely popular event. Um, and despite the initial bitterness that some of the, the girls who were helping plan it felt, uh, the prom ended up being a great experience for them. They finally got to meet all of their nerdy online Twilight friends in person. Uh, and after the party, they were called on stage for pictures and treated like celebrities afterward. Uh, one I of mean, the girls, this is, this is dope, right? Like this is like the dream. Yeah. This is awesome. Like just some girls hanging out in a twilight like fan chat room get picked to help run an event for the author and hang out with her even as the author like she's she's taking control of her fandom and saying like i want it to be a place where girls can feel free to want the things that girls want Mm -hmm. right like there's power in that she's not saying like you know feminism or or whatever it has to be this way she's like this is what i like doing and this is what i like writing about and if you want to be with me on this journey you can and she like she opened up to her fans in that way i don't know i just i think that's i think it's good like she's she's writing so that she can help people and and she's doing that 
I think she I was also she benefited from like extremely good timing too. Like this was in the earliest days of the internet still when things sure. online were like much nicer. Uh, they and were, more wholesome. They were nicer. Yeah, I'll give you nicer. <laughs> yeah. I mean they were I, I don't know that like you could have as successful a uh, fandom like this now. I mean I'm sure some people have like come close, but a lot of fandoms also have tons of drama and like infighting and stuff uh, and I think she was really living in like the the golden age of online like uh like forums and stuff sure yeah um so yeah so it was a, a good prom uh but one thing that Faith Hawkhalter so her her friend from the bookstore uh noted was that like this event was really the turning point when Stephanie Meyer went from shy housewife who writes gothic romances at night when the world's asleep to celebrity. Uh, yeah. And sh she said, like, basically her approachability would diminish in direct proportion to her fame, which is not, like, a condemnation of her personality. Uh, no one has said anything, like, that she got full of herself or, you know, too big for her britches. It was basically, like, she had so much on her plate that she was no longer available to come to the bookstore because of all of the other demands. Uh, her events started requiring security guards because they they were just so massive and drew all sorts of people who weren't like just the nice mom or teenage daughter fans, like people who would try to get her to read their manuscripts or just be really aggressive. Um, but I mean, so she, she stopped doing a lot of those larger public events uh, and making public appearances like that. But she would still rent out, like, an entire theater and invite a couple hundred friends, family, and church members to local movie premieres of Twilight. So she was still trying to, like, walk that line of, like, staying connected with some of her loyal fans and friends uh, and also not, like, engaging with just shit shows of events. <laughs> I think from from what I've seen, and I don't, I don't follow uh, her very much, but I think uh, a good example of that nowadays would be Taylor Swift. Uh, from what I've, some stuff that I've seen on the internet, I know that she, like, she really tries to have, uh, a really personal touch with her fans and the people that try to, like, that end up dedicating a lot of their life to her career and her art, and she tries to do a good job of rewarding that, of, like, showing thankfulness and, and humility, so I, I think it's still possible, and I know that a lot of people give Taylor Swift some shit every once in a while, but, like, I think that she really tries, and, and I think that nowadays that's the closest that you can get is what she's doing. Yeah, Stephanie Meyer does um kind of a similar thing now, which is, like, she'll still try to do one-on-one -on -one meetups with fans or, like, small groups, but it's very, like, prearranged. It's like, okay, like, a few people are handpicked, and then they, like, meet in secret basically and then it gets publicized afterwards so they don't get bombarded when they're trying to like hang out sure um so that's kind of the the current approach or like she'll handpick like some reporters from like basically twilight fan clubs or something like that like people who are really invested and have them come and ask her the questions that fans want answers to that like normal outlets aren't going to ask. So right. it's definitely changed. She can't just like have a public event anymore, but I mean, she still tries to make that connection. Um, and so, yeah, so this was all for the release party of Eclipse. Uh, it had an initial print run of 3.7 million copies. 
So Twilight's first run was 75,000, goes up to 3.7. It sold more than 1.3 million uh, copies on the first day. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So that's book three. Um, And then I I actually don't have the numbers for book four. Let's do some quick math here. Yeah, you sold it. You said it sold how many copies? On the first day? Yeah. 1.3 million. 1.3 million. And she makes royalties and all that stuff. Let's just pretend like she makes $2 off of each book. Does that sound reasonable? Maybe. I'm not sure how royalties break down. Me either. But let's just pretend. Let's just play in this space, Hannah. That's like. <laughs> That's like $3 million just right there in one day. I did see the, um, the number 4 million a year thrown around somewhere. I'm not sure what time that was. Like if that was at the height of all the movies coming out, cause I'm sure she made even more off the movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I can believe that. Yeah. So she's, she has made quite a, uh, a living for herself. She yeah. definitely paid off that family van. <laughs> she was able to pay for BYU. We'll say that. For sure. I don't think she has any student loans left. Um, around the same time, she takes a little break from YA to write The Host. Um, it was published in 2008. It's about a post-apocalyptic Earth being invaded by a parasitic alien race known as souls and follows one soul um, as they struggle to with the predict predicament of uh having the human host not wanting to give up consciousness right i read this book i don't remember liking it very much i was upset with the ending had you read twilight before oh yeah so i read twilight when i was like 13 so was it because the host was written differently than twilight um it was probably just because i was like older and Uh, so i i was obsessed with twilight when i first read it in like seventh grade yeah and then uh my mom read it and she was like hannah this book is terrible Uh and i read the rest of them and somewhere in there i was like yeah this isn't the greatest but i'm gonna finish reading them yeah so uh i might have been kind of disenchanted by the time i read the host but also one of my biggest problems with um stephanie meyer stuff is that she has to have a happy resolution to her story right like she's incapable of killing her darlings or whatever the the phrase is yeah kill your darlings that's the phrase yeah so it it makes the uh the endings really unsatisfying for me i know i know that i heard uh or i saw um a blurb from an interview where somebody asked hey are you gonna write uh, a sequel to the host and she said no the host, the world that I created in the host is very dangerous and I couldn't, I could not deal with killing off one of my characters and that's what I would have to do. And so, no. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly like why Breaking Dawn ended the way it was and it was so stupid. It's because she's like, oh, well, the way it was shaping up, like if they'd fought, I would have had to kill some of my characters and I just yeah. couldn't do that. And I'm like, yeah. that's your job. <laughs> yeah, man. Tell a good story, not keep people alive. You didn't. You're not a doctor. Yeah. Take a page out of J.K. Rowling's book and kill the beloved characters. Or George R. R. Martin. Well, don't go <laughs> that far. And kill everybody. Don't go that far. <laughs> so, yeah. So, The Host comes out. Um, a film version comes out a few years 
later uh, with Shersha Ronan as the star. It had mostly negative reviews. Um, there's also, uh, I found an interesting 2009 lawsuit against Meyer uh, accusing her of plagiarism <sighs> from an author named Jordan Scott who claimed the Twilight author plagiarized her book The Noctor- Nocturne. She said, uh, Stephanie stole the idea of a human having sex with a vampire on a beach, getting pregnant, getting sick from the monster baby, basically eating her alive from the inside out, etc., etc. Um, this is not a very well-known book or a good book, according to the reviews on Amazon. Uh, and Meyer and her lawyer said they'd never heard of it. Um, uh, Hatchet, is it pronounced Hatchet or Hachette? I don't know. We're going to say Hatchet because we're American. <laughs> okay. Hatchet called the suit a publicity stunt to further Miss Scott's career, which I think is absolutely correct. 100% uh, yes. <laughs> and the judge agreed. Uh, he ruled in Meyer's favor and scolded Scott for, quote, the deceptive presentation of the alleged similarities. And he also noted that uh, Scott has twice manipulated aspects of the subject works in order to create the appearance of similarity. Yeah, so, uh, let's also go back to 2004 when Zack Snyder made a little movie called Dawn of the Dead where there was uh, a lady who got preggers uh, during the apocalypse or she was already pregnant when the zombie apocalypse happened and then she got cut uh, at, or like bit by a zombie or whatever and got infected and then her baby turned into a zombie inside of her and then ate its way out of her. So Ew. it's not original to think of that, it, but it's an interesting idea. So sometimes these these ideas just kind of live as a meme within people's minds without needing to be um, directly influenced by other things. Well, yeah, and I think the idea of vampire babies was also like written into legend somewhere too, so... Basically, this author yeah, is full of it. because people are fucked up and bored in the Middle Ages. They got to come up with all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. They you need a reason to burn people lady. at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and around the same time, 2009 was a busy year, um, uh, Faith Hawkhalter, so the friend from Changing Hands, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this is really like one of the areas where it really made me like Stephanie Meyer because this is like height of her career and she and Faith haven't been hanging out that much anymore because she's like so busy and and traveling all the time Um, but she like rallies for her friend she organizes what she calls Project Book Babe which is like a live uh, event featuring authors illustrators and bands as well as an auction uh, with the proceeds to help her friend who um, at this point was like not working for the bookstore anymore uh, and didn't have health insurance. So this whole thing is like a fundraiser for her. Uh, Stephanie donated many advanced reader copies and original manuscripts for auction. An unpublished epilogue to the Twilight series called Forever Dawn went for $5,100. Early manuscripts for the host and Eclipse as well as the red evening gown that she wore to uh, the Eclipse prom went for 5500 each and she auctioned off two lunches that were 6500 each. So just like Stephanie Meyer's contribution to this, not to mention the other authors, like she brought in a shit ton of money. Yeah, like $20,000 or yeah. more. So, $30,000 by herself. Which I really want to know who is like shelling out 5 grand for all of these things cuz I can't imagine doing that even for like Pe- an author I love. People who live in Scottsdale. God bless you, Scottsdale folks. 
and this was like basically the last public event that she had where like just an average teenage girl or mom could walk in off the street and see Stephanie Meyer in real life. Um, so 2009 is when she basically like cut that off and scaled back her appearances drastically um, and had those much smaller events where a select few fans were chosen to meet with her. And now we get to spinoffs. Yeah. How, were you aware of any of these spinoffs? Yeah, I bought my mom the short life of some blah, 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 Brie or whatever. Brie Tanner. Did she like it? I couldn't tell you. I have no <laughs> idea. I got her that and I got her. Um, my mom was a, was super into Twilight, by the way. She's so excited to find out we were doing this episode. She was uh, a Twihard. I almost invited her. You know what? I'll probably do. No, I already have so many correspondences. Um, <laughs> I need. I'll just need to get my. We're we're gonna talk about more of this stuff next episode. I might try and invite my mom to be on the show. Anyway, I bought her the short life, short second life of of yeah, Brie or whatever, and then Brie also Tanner. she was a Jacob fan, so I got her a Jacob Barbie doll. Oh my god, so. that's awesome. That was, that was what I spent my money on in 2010. You're a good son. So The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner was a novella written while Stephanie was editing Eclipse. Um, she can't get enough of her characters, and so this was on her brain. It was but she killed in, her. Yeah, for once. One. Maybe that's why she wrote it. She felt so bad that she killed her in Eclipse that she was like, I have to write a backstory. give her her own damn book. Yeah, good job. <laughs> It was published in 2010. It follows, uh, like you said, a young vampire who made an appearance in Eclipse before being killed. Yeah. Uh, it actually got really good reader reviews. Um, and parts also ended up in the movie version of Eclipse because she was like, it wasn't published. She was still writing it when they were making the movie. So they were like, yo, can we see that novella? Yeah. Um, and then this is the one that I cannot get over. Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Talon actually alerted me to the existence of this. He was like, have you heard about the version of Twilight where it's all gender swapped? And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> so basically, she rewrote the first book and just changed all of the main characters or most of the main characters' genders. So it follows Beaufort Swan as he leaves sunny Phoenix, Arizona to go to the gloomy town of Forks, Washington to spend the rest of his high school career with his estranged father, Police Chief Charlie Swan. For some reason, Charlie stays a boy. Yeah. Uh, I'll explain why in a minute. Oh, you know why? No, I have no idea why. I have I'm something like... else, and it might explain <laughs> something in a little bit. We'll see. Um. Yeah, I just, like, what is the point of this? She just changes the gender of all of the characters. It was published on October 6, 2015, as part of an oversized flipbook pairing with Twilight to celebrate the original novel's 10th anniversary so, it's just a cash grab, right? So wait, what's what's Edward's girl name? Beaufort. Oh, no, Edward. Edward. Oh, uh, it's like, oh shit. It still starts, it's like Edith or something, but spelled weird. All right. I'm kind of interested in reading this just to see like. It's, okay. So one um, book blogger actually gave it four out of five stars, but acknowledged, quote, a lot of the book is copied and pasted. It's yeah, the same exact book. A, uh, a find and replace with their names and he and she, right? Like, yeah. So I guess maybe I'm not interested in reading it. What I'd be more interested in is trying to see what the 
social dynamics would be of uh, the female, you know, being the vampire and the male being the the victim almost sort of situation. I can um, imagine the dialogue may have changed, but um, like it seems like scene by scene, it's a replay of the original. Like it still has the saving from a car thing. Uh, Beaufort like, gets kidnapped by a girl vampire. There are three things that I knew as I fell asleep that night. One is that Edith was a vampire. Number two, <laughs> I was in love with her, dude. <laughs> Why do you get like a Hawaiian like surfer bro accent? Because I'm from Arizona, dude. It's fucking tiny shit up in here. And uh, now I'm going to Forks, Washington. And I'm going <laughs> to fork it up. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I think uh, Washington State just, like, put you on our no-fly list. Like, you're not allowed need, to come in. I think I need to write a fan, a fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. going to be called Forks. <laughs> oh, it's going to be half a recipe book. <laughs> half Twilight fanfic. And half a gender swap Twilight Oh, reimagining. <laughs> you might be more interested in her next um, Twilight like regurgitation, which is called Midnight Sun. This novel took the longest to write. She started it in like around 2007. It's also basically just Twilight, but from Edward's perspective. So same story, different viewpoint. Um, in summer 2008, someone leaked a copy online, though, um, which kind of halted the writing process. Um, Stephanie had a, she wrote on her blog that she had a good idea of how the leak happened since there were very few copies that left her possession and each one was slightly unique, uh, because of like little changes that she made to the manuscript at different times. So basically she, she knew who leaked it. Uh, she never called them out for it. And she said that she didn't think it had any malicious intent. Uh, yeah. but the, the experience was, de was devastating for her. Um, it was she didn't want her fans to read it because it was an incomplete draft and she said the writing was messy and flawed and full of mistakes. Um, that being said, she didn't want to put her fans in like the difficult decision, um, like position of having to choose whether to download it from someone who leaked it online or download it from her. So she just posted it herself and was like, here you guys go. You can read it if you want to. Like, I'm not going to stop you. Um, but she totally stopped writing it because she was basically like traumatized from that experience, which as an author, like that would, that's such a violation. Yeah, seriously. I, I know that that's happened to artists that I enjoy before, like, uh, the, the band brand new, they, they oh, were yeah. on an album and it, and like the entire album got leaked. And so they just, they stopped. They're like, all right, well, we're not doing that anymore. We're done. And they took a bunch of time off before they re-released another album that they worked on. So uh, I know that, that that can fuck up the creative juices pretty quickly. Yeah, because everyone's got like your, your rough draft basically to criticize. Yep. Um, so fast forward, after the gender swap version came out, Stephanie felt comfortable enough to return to Midnight Sun. But as she said to a Comic-Con panel in 2015, Quote, what do you think was the top story on Yahoo the next morning? Gray. So that's a reference to Gray, Fifty Shades of Gray, as told by Christian. Yeah. Uh, the, oh God, I'm totally spacing on the author's name of that one. But uh, as we'll discuss in our R. next L. episode, Stein. heads up. 
No, wait. It's like Not EL a... something. Yeah. I'm RL so Stein bad. Is goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> like EL James or something. Yeah, that's um, it. Which, uh, spoiler for our next episode, though, uh, this originally started out as Twilight fan fiction. So, small world. Um, yep. So, Stephanie said it basically felt like the novel was cursed and she put Midnight Sun on the back burner again because she didn't want to release her uh, point of view change book at the same time as Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Um, ultimately, she released it last August uh, and it has an astounding five star average on Amazon reviews. That's crazy that it took that long, though, because I can remember seeing it on the shelf somewhere. I feel like I saw somewhere at some point, like when I was at Barnes and Noble or maybe even like Fry's Electronics. Could it have I been saw... Life and Death? Really? The, I, the I don't know. One? I just I thought I remember reading like like this is me right back in the day. I was reading it and it's like, you know, told from Edward's point of view. Um, and I was like, really? Do we really need this? Seems like this is just a money grab. And I, I kind of held on to that for a really long time. That's the only reason why I, th- I, you know, like thought I remember seeing that on the. I on think the shelf. I'm kind of conflicted on this. I feel like, yes, it is a very like cheap money grab. But on the other hand, from what I've learned about Stephanie Meyer, she does seem like the kind of writer who it's like she just can't let go of these characters. So I find it totally plausible that she was going to write these things regardless of the money. Sure. I know that like even um um the guy the guy that played the guy <laughs> the actor the guy Robert Pattinson. Edward. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Batman. Um I know like he had a lot of interviews where he talked about how crazy he thought she was cuz she was like in love with this character that he was playing. <laughs> and uh so I I you know, I get it though. You write a character and you want to make them as real as possible. So I, I, w- I wouldn't fault an author for falling in love with their own work because mm-hmm. you want it to be real. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of how you get a book series that people are so passionate about. You're passionate about it too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to make sure that we have time to talk about the book itself. Um, so basically the rest of her career has gone like 2011. She starts her own production company, Fickle Fish Films. Um, They produced the host in both parts of Breaking Dawn, as well as um, Austin Land, which was based on a book by her friend Shannon Hale. Uh, They also have plans to produce a TV adaptation of her most recent novel, which was 2015's The Chemist. So I guess most recently written since Midnight Sun came out in 2020. Uh, Austin Land is a very good movie. You like it? I I was. Is that because uh, Becca likes Jane Austen so much that you guys saw that? Yeah, it's that's why we watched it. Um, but I, as a man, watched it and I thought it was fucking hilarious. Oh, that's good. Well, maybe I'll have to give it a try. Um, the Chemist is like a total about face from her normal stuff. It's an adult fiction novel about an ex like government torturer. So basically, she tortures people to interrogate them. Who is now on the run from her former employers. Um, it has decent ratings by readers, uh, ends with an epilogue that Meyer said in an interview was the second one she wrote for the book. The first got vetoed by her editors because it was a super mega happy ending, she said, which is yeah. totally typical. Yeah. 
for Stephanie Meyer. Hey, if if her if her agent or publisher was able to say, "Hey, Steph, tone it down." Look, man, um, you wrote you wrote a whole series with vampires and werewolves, and everyone ended up happy at the end. So, good job. Way to go. Way to do the thing. No one thought you were gonna be able to do. So, why don't we do that again by writing something not great at the end? <laughs> and hey, if she's growing as an author and she's pulling it off. Good. Yeah. Good good for her. So, yeah, this is where, I mean, obviously she has not died yet, um, which is nice. So we don't have to end on the sad she died note. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Twilight films are still extremely popular. Uh, the whole saga just went up on Netflix. And as of July 21st, the five movies of the saga were the top five most watched things on Netflix. So like people are watching the shit out of this. And also the movies earned $3.3 billion from 2008 to 2012. One of the highest earning series of all times, more than the hunger games, not quite as much as Harry Potter. Well, yeah, I mean, it had five Harry Potter had eight, eight hunger games had four, right? Yeah. Four. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. are we ready to dissect some stuff? Dissect away. Get get into uh get into some weird shit. <laughs> oh God, I'm scared. Well, I I'm looking at your notes here, um, and uh, I don't know. Let I, let's let's dive into this idea that I had while I was listening to the book. <laughs> <laughs> um. I liked this book much more than I thought I was going to, you know, I, and I've got a lot of friends who are writers and I asked a lot of them like, Hey, specifically what's wrong with this book? And the editors in the group said, Oh, it's the grammar. It sucks. And I said, okay, maybe it's because I'm listening to it, not reading it specifically, or even maybe the narrator just, does a good job of reading it so that the tone sounds natural. This doesn't sound like bad grammar to me. There are things that are written that are cringy, but not because it's bad grammar, because it's, it's being cringy. pulled because it's cringy and it's a 17 year old who's in love with a guy. And I just in general don't like it. Um, it's not my cup of tea. I wouldn't ever read this again. I don't want to read the series. Um, but from what I read, it was it was it was good. You don't sell 1.3 million books in one day if you're doing something if you're not doing something right. You know what I mean? Um, and <clears throat> my the biggest thing that I had against it is, is uh, I man. I know this is going to sound weird and it's going to come out of left field. I th I think that there's a weird subtle um incest story that's happening what? in this in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I know. I know it's weird. I do. I get it and it's like why the fuck am I bringing this up? Of all the things you were going to say, I did not expect incest. I know. I know. Look, I get it. But I started to notice some patterns in there 
and then I started to think about uh and it's only this book it's not the rest i have i have zero idea how the rest of the books go right i mean i know the story generally uh and even in in the because of the movies but even in the twilight movie i didn't see this it was only in the in this book so i'm looking at it just as is this every single every single moment that bella has with edward being nice to her or doing something good for her is preceded with her dad being nice to her or opening up to her or her opening up to him. And it's, it's, it's super weird. And I'm like, I'm thinking back even to like, why would she even move in with him? She hates Washington. She doesn't really have a relationship with her dad. She talks about how she doesn't really want to have a relationship with this, with this other guy that makes her mom very happy, which is kind of weird too. Um, but like legit, I think that there's this weird sexual thing happening with her dad, and the character is um, compartmentalizing it or disassociating it, and creates a a imaginary friend who is this beautiful monster that is a representation of her dad that she does want to love but is truly a monster and even says, I shouldn't be with you. It's wrong for me to be with you. And, and I can't touch you because it's evil. And, and what I want from you is evil. And she, and she's falling more in love with him. And then like every time he's nice to her and then like, and then Edward like gets her to like baseball and her dad likes baseball. And like, it's this opening up thing where she starts to understand a part of him um <laughs> oh my <And> god <laughs> so <laughs> so i genuinely like i know it's not about that i know it's not i genuinely know it's not but <laughs> but there's this theme that i heard running through the story listening to it where i'm like bro she could be 100 percent compartmentalizing the the terrible things that her father is doing to her and creating this monster imaginary friend who she can love for doing the things to her that her father is doing to her i don't know <laughs> i don't know just i don't a, know perfect end. <laughs> um i need you to create like a book blog just called like tyler's awkward interpretations or something yeah because that was the best thing i've ever heard like, was it was it you good? Kinda, you think? I'm not convinced, but you had a great argument. <laughs> you backed I, it up with facts. I just think it, at the very least, maybe we need to ask Stephanie Meyer if she's okay. <laughs> Has anyone checked on Stephanie Meyer? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, you know, that argument had about as much credibility, I feel, as the many many headlines asking like or speculating about the mormonism in twilight uh yeah. one headline was like bella as a mormon goddess in stephanie meyer's twilight like everybody wants to read huge religious subtext into this from my point of view as a reader like the only weird religious stuff i saw was that they wouldn't have premarital sex Call me and a that heathen. wasn't even really a religious thing as much as like it was just Edward being 
old school, old fa- right? Yeah, that's how it was painted in the book. So, like, yeah. I do not see any strong Mormon themes in here. Like, yeah, they never drink, but also, like, they're in high school, so they're technically not supposed to. Uh, sure. They never drink coffee, but it's like some people just don't like coffee, so whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like people, as soon as they, like, find out that someone's a religion other than Christianity, they're like, oh, all of your work has to, like, be a huge commentary on your weird religion. Yeah, well, even with Christianity, I mean, like, if you go back, uh, like, you you and Cameron talked about it on the episode where you talked about me. Like, you guys are like, yeah, I feel like Tyler generally throws in a lot of his spirituality and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I guess I throw it into everything. But <laughs> yeah, it, it comes out in my writing, too. I feel like that's a little bit different, though, because you like you actually talk about your religion a lot. Whereas Stephanie oh, Meyer, sure. I don't think like people just know she's Mormon because she went to BYU. She doesn't seem yeah. like an outspoken Mormon. So that's one of those things that I hate is when people like try to read religion into stuff that doesn't necessarily have it. Right. Um, I mean, she said like subconsciously, I'm sure some of my religion came out in the writing. Like, yeah, it's a pro-life book. Like in the fourth one where she's got the monster baby, she doesn't get an abortion, blah, blah, blah. Right. They wait for marriage. It's got the abstinence themes, but I mean, this is not a religious book. Um, and people have noted a lot, and I think Stephanie Meyer has too, like, there's no explicit sex scenes, but it's like, this is also a YA book. Like, I read a lot of YA fiction, and most of them did not have explicit sex scenes. This, right. The Twilight series is very steamy, com- like, compared to other YA books, so. Sure. I don't know why people are acting like it's prudish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly. I... I figure the the movies do more than the books. Um, they might. Well, I mean, it's you can see it, but right. I feel like the words are still there too. Like all the scenes are the same, basically. Sex. Um, my biggest gripes with it that my mom pointed out and ruined for me as a child were uh, the relationship is super creepy and weird and borderline oh, yeah. abusive, controlling. Yeah. Uh, bad he example. gaslights the shit out of her. He controls her. He, you know, like it's it's he stalks her. Um, he pushes her around. I don't know. It, everything about what Edward does is fucked up. Yeah, it's honest. supposed to be like sexy that he wants to kill her all the time. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then also the love triangle with Jacob is dumb. He's also super controlling and aggressive. Don't like that. Yeah. Um, and also setting. This is the thing that pisses me off so bad, and it's going to come up in the next episode, I know, too. So I'll try to go light on it. But, like, Stephanie Meyer had never been to Forks or the Olympic Peninsula. I don't know if she'd ever even been to Washington. She chose that setting solely because she went on Google, knew she needed a rainy place, and the Olympic Peninsula is the rainiest spot in the U.S. She looked on a map, saw Forks. She's like, bam, that's my setting. Uh, Then she saw the La Push Reservation right next to it. She's like, bam, I'm going to have werewolf Indians. It's like... So none of it's it a bit, feels. It's a bit. Uh, ease stereo. It's not stereotypical, but it is very much like. It's lazy. It's lazy. Yes, exactly. It's it's like oh, Native Americans are totally like werewolves. <laughs> it's like um, what? How? Oh, so before we did this episode, I asked Talon. I'm like, what do you think about uh, Twilight? He's like, well, the Indian stuff was kind of lame. He didn't actually know <laughs> that the Quileutes were like a real tribe. 
because uh, he was like, right. I don't know of any tribes that like have wolves in their backstory or whatever. I'm like, well, actually, they like the one part of that whole origin story that's accurate is they have something in their um, ancient creation story about the original Quileutes being changed from wolves. Like, oh. that's it. And right. I don't think anybody's reading these books and being like, oh, yes, I'm sure Native Americans have vampires in their, like, lore. Yeah, like, totally. If, that whole creation story was totally fabricated. Um, so, yeah, none of that's very accurate. And the descriptions of Port Angeles were actually the most jarring to me in Twilight. Um, because she makes it, and you've read it more recently than I have, but she made it sound kind of like a big-ish city, like kind of sophisticated and metropolitan. Port Angeles is as small as can be. Uh, okay. Well, but here's the thing, though. Um, is it smaller than Forks? No, it's big compared to Forks. Exactly. It'd but be what like, I actually... It'd be like someone going from Malala to Canby. <laughs> like... Okay. No, no. She made it sound like a cool, like Port Angeles. I like how I like how offended you are at that. <laughs> she, I feel like she made Port Angeles seem like on par with not quite Seattle, but much bigger. She also used that for like a scene where Bella gets like attacked, so she makes it seem yeah. like very crime ridden, which it's like this is a tiny ass city. Like everyone's in bed by nine. Yeah. So yeah. that's but just they've like... got boats, so CD. You know, <laughs> it could be bad. Yeah. Yeah, having been in Port Angeles and walked around at night, I was never in fear of getting attacked <laughs> in an alleyway. Hannah, did you do the, the Twilight tour? Is that what you did? No. We, oh. No. I've actually never been to Forks. Um, I've been to both Portland and St. Helens, where... Uh, Twilight was filmed. Most of them were filmed, yeah. <laughs> I've been to whatever uh, restaurant, like out toward the gorge or whatever, they filmed the boulder scene at. The boulder scene? Yeah, where they like storm off into the woods or something and Edward crouches on a boulder. Oh, gotcha, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm so badass, look at me on this boulder, dude. <laughs> yeah, so like none of this is actually filmed in Washington either, which is a whole separate issue with the film industry. I want to uh, reread for Twilight and have that be Edward's voice. Well, uh, what's up, girl? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, it would probably still sell a million copies. Probably. Of the audiobook. A TikTok Edward? An e-boy Edward? <laughs> e-boy. Oh, my God. Gross. No, please don't. Yeah. What's up, girl? I've got like 15,000 followers on TikTok. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't make this happen. Just stick with the cookbook. <laughs> Just the cookbook. I'm sure someone's done it already. So, yeah. So, I I guess my main takeaway from all of this is Stephanie Meyer seems like a really nice person. Uh, despite the fact that I have lots to criticize uh, her book for, like, I have read them multiple times and get through them very quickly. So, she's, she like you said, she's doing something right. She writes entertaining novels there are much quote-unquote better books that i've started and not been able to finish because they were so dull or whatever so people need to chill it with shitting on stephanie meyer stephen king had a quote um where he was reacting to the fact that like everyone compares stephanie meyer to jk rowling and he very harshly said the real difference is that jk rowling is a terrific writer and stephanie meyer can't write worth a darn 
which I yeah. thought was mean. Well, I think it's, I mean, Stephen King hates adjectives and Stephanie Meyer uses a lot of them. Yes. So I think that's probably his biggest gripe against her is, um, is that she uses a lot of adjectives. And um, a lot of... Um, like, or adverbs. Sorry. Adverbs, not adjectives. Everybody adverbs and adjectives. also like one of Stephen King's number one rules is like you should never uh, write dialogue with anything other than he said or she said. And right. Stephanie Meyer breaks that rule all over the place. All the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, she she did something right. She wrote books that entertain and captivated people. And even if they're not like perfect in my eyes, you know, they got a lot of people reading. I I agree. I I think that Stephanie Meyer got a bad rep. Um, I really do. I, I think that she wrote something that she was passionate about. She wrote a story that she was passionate about. And then other people latched onto that story. And um, and the problem is that those people were women. And when you have a society of men that are running the place and um, they they cannot identify with the female, you know, wants. And then you have um, kind of the uh, the this this society where like women are supposed to be strong and and independent and they need to be going out and doing their own thing having a girl find her power in a relationship um and specifically a toxic relationship um it's it's really easy to shit all over that and i think that at the end of the day Stephanie Meyer wrote something that gave her a lot of power and also gave young women and even older women a lot of power. When when my mom read the Twilight series, I saw marketable difference in her. Um, She became more um, aware of what she wanted and uh, she knew she wanted to do something more than just be a bus driver. Um, And she she wanted to be a writer. She wanted to be a storyteller. And she started telling me all these ideas that she had. And, and since then, it's been a, a, a form of encouragement to get her to, to do that. And now she's she's written for our flash fiction. And it's because of Twilight. So um, I'm not going to shit on Twilight or Stephanie Meyer for the things that she did. She, she wrote something and she wrote something she wanted to write. And, and the reason why it sold so much is because it touched people's lives. And if people have that much of a problem with the grammar and the editing and the the story, then just don't fucking buy it. Just don't fucking read it. It's not that hard. Um, You don't need to tear people down because other people are enjoying a story that somebody wrote. Everybody has a voice and everybody has a story inside of them. Everyone deserves to publish that story, whether it's on Wattpad or on you know through what uh, i can't think of a publisher um (laughs) like self-publishing like when you go on amazon or or whatever yeah like just just write a fucking story and if it takes off it takes off because it resonates with people and and for the longest time stephanie meyer got a bunch of shit because she wrote this lovey-dovey toxic-y relationship book and some people didn't understand that. And that's, they don't need to. It wasn't for them. It was for the people that were interested in it. It was for people that would buy a ticket and go to a fucking prom at ASU. It, you know, it, it was for people who needed that 
to give them some happiness in their life. Um, and, and, and then you have 50 shades of gray come out and it, and it just totally, it, it just like anchored itself to the twilight series and it just drug it down. Right. And because it's always 50 shades of gray, you know, let's talk about twilight. Oh, let's also talk about 50 shades of gray because they're so intertwined because only something as shitty as twilight can make something as shitty as 50 shades of gray. And I, I don't think that that's fair. And I think it's kind of BS to be honest. And I think that having, having read this story and seen the few things that I've seen on online about Stephanie Meyer, I think that she's done a really good job of just doing her own thing and not letting a lot of the bad press and bullshit get to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she continues to try like fuck man she wrote she wrote so much when she started she was so committed to writing this book you cannot say that she's a bad writer because at the end of the day the number one rule is to write that's the rule it doesn't say on there write well it doesn't say edit yourself as you write the number one rule of writing is write your fucking story one page two pages a fucking chapter whatever it takes at night you write your damn story and that's what stephanie meyer did so for me i fully believe that stephanie meyer is a good writer because she wrote her fucking story and she doesn't complain that people don't like it she just keeps doing it like i i i had a total reversal of who i thought that she was having gone through this episode that's awesome. Hey, that's what we strive to do, you know? Open our yeah. minds. So I, I'm not I'm not I'm never gonna read another Twilight <laughs> book. I could not give two shits about the Twilight series. But you know but it's not for you. It's like, not my thing. I I need the only time I want to see a werewolf is if I'm watching Weathering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, you know, may someone rewrite Weathering Heights and add more werewolves. Stephanie Meyer, hit me up. You and I can collab on that. Perfect. I'm sure she's down. <laughs> yeah, we can do a, a gender swap, Weathering Heights, half cookbook, um, <laughs> half werewolf. <laughs> Perfect. How many great. swaps can you put forks. into one novel? <laughs> forks. All right. Uh, well, I did not have the uh, end of show. No, that's uh, fine. Notes what pulled up. are we talking about next week? Well, we're talking about the thing that Stephanie Meyer inspired, um, which also became a massive monetary success, and which Tyler is neither going to read nor watch. Nope. Sorry. Sorry, MR, James, or not James, R.L. Stein, or whatever the fuck your name is. (laughs) Wait, I have to actually get the name right. It's, um, God, shit. What is her name? It is E.L. James. I was right. So we are talking about E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey next time. And also tying in after uh, by, uh, I think, Amanda something. Very similar um, books, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Fifty Shades started out as Twilight fan fiction after started as, like, Harry Styles fan fiction on Wattpad and got published there. So, yes, we are going... Uh, the complete opposite of highbrow next time. So excited. Is lowbrow with it? Yes, we are going fully lowbrow. We're going that flash fiction or that fan fiction shit, y'all. 
It's going to get weird. I don't know how I, Tyler's going to prepare for this, but I don't I don't know how. I honestly I might I might just sit here awkwardly. <laughs> awkwardly, quietly. Well, uh, a, a small teaser to the next episode. Most of my beefs with 50 shades at least have nothing to do with the sex stuff and everything to do with other aspects of the book. I'm just going to I'm just going to have my phone set and just randomly play porn noises through porn the microphone. Noises. Yeah. Just ah uh, every time you start talking about yeah, and then this book wrote ah uh. <laughs> like the DJs on uh, Parks and Rec when they hit the like ah uh, button yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I mean, people are definitely going to tune in to hear <laughs> that. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, other than that, Tyler, where can the people find us? Uh, all over the place. If you want to, you can go to our Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, we also have a group where Dave Vaughn posts memes and we laugh at them and remember that we have a group <laughs> because she posts. Um, you can go to our Instagram where we post uh once or twice a week at this point and we say we do it every day but it's only really once or twice a week uh but we usually try to to update people there and and have some fun videos sometimes and just photos i know hannah likes to post photos of her books and things um you can go to lewisandlovecraft.com and look at pictures of us and see other episodes that we've done um, and you can contact us there or email us directly at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com if you have opinions on authors that we have talked about if you have uh, book reviews that you'd like us to read or flash fiction you can send those into us if you write something up to like a thousand words and uh, you know make it good we'll, we'll read it on the show uh, we want to hear from you we will read your letters on the show so, yeah. And as always, we want to give a shout out to Jake Bassin for our awesome intro music. You can find him on soundcloud.com slash Jake Bassin. That's spelled B as in boy, A-S-S-E-N. Make sure you subscribe. If you're listening to us, it's most likely on um, Spotify or iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. Stay up to date when we do deep dives like this or correspondence episodes. As well, if you're watching the video, it means that you're on YouTube and you should subscribe to us there because we need people to <laughs> because we don't have any followers or like we got like, I don't know, 15 or something at this point. Um, and we're going to be doing this pretty regularly, I think, as far as we got the cameras. I got the little the, the coffee cup and the and and the other stuff and this thing up here. So, you know, you might as well uh, see what we look, look at like us when we're talking about stuff. Um, and you mentioned correspondence. I want to give a shout out to our most recent correspondence guest, uh, Brianna Fenty. Uh, if you Hell haven't yeah. listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and uh, give it a listen. She's awesome. She's been on two of our flash fiction specials, super talented writer and just an amazing human. Uh, so go check that out if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. And also our next one next week will be with uh, Paul Davis, a good friend of mine who is a, an editor and author of like seven or eight books. 
and he's a indie published book uh, author so definitely keep your ear to the ground for that awesome um and also rate and review us on uh apple podcasts and also pod chaser if you're on those platforms uh we really need some new reviews uh give us five stars give us one star and just tell us why we suck uh we'll take any sort of review but preferably a five star i mean if you give us a one star and complain about us we will make fun of you on our show yep <clears throat> and I, frankly i'd like before. someone new to make fun of the mr james guy has kind of like worn it's gotten a little old yeah definitely uh and don't like just complain about us give us something that we can make fun of if you're gonna complain about <laughs> us but m- more better would if you leave one bad review but you actually like our show leave us two good reviews to Ooh. kind of make up for it um that would be great because g- genuinely the only way that we can get in front of people is if people start reviewing our show um so that's always good but better than leaving a good and or bad review is to tell a friend tell your friends tell them why you like us it's the it's the best way to get get the word around and if you are at a party and someone brings up how terrible stephanie meyer is and you go off and are like look first of all yeah she wrote a book about a dude who's fucking his daughter and it's messed (laughs) up but, no, she did not. No, she did not. <laughs> but she wrote it really well. And at least she wrote a book, you dumbass. Then you can you can say that you got that information from us. So. Leave out the incest <laughs> stuff. But basically, if you just do Tyler's closing monologue, uh, that is a good way to defend Stephanie Meyer at parties. Hell yeah. And link back to our show. <laughs> Until then, we're going to sign off and and do other stuff for a couple weeks. Like not read 50 shades of gray already did it maybe i should watch the movie now no oh no i probably won't because like it'll just be me covering talon's eyes the whole time being like don't look babe (laughs) i don't want you (laughs) to see a a man that beautiful (laughs) no i'm not talking (laughs) about the man (laughs) oh right uh yeah totally sounds good uh so until we talk about porn i mean 50 shades of gray see you later see you next time cool gang pass out